Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. How about Nancy Bellicosi? Nancy Stretch Bellicosi. You heard it here. Pass it down through the ages. I'm Mark Levin. Our number 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Okay. You know why I call her Stretch. Because it's obvious. A little pinch here. A little pinch there. Pull that back there. Oh, look at my eyes. They look so much better. But why am I... Anyway. Uh, Nancy Stretch Bellicosi. Bellicosi. Dictionary. Demonstrating aggression and willingness to fight. Belligerent, hostile, threatening, pugnacious, truculent, confrontational, quarrelsome, disputatious, contentious, militant, combative. Nancy Bellicosi. Now, I could do Bellagosi. You know who that was, Mr. Producer? You have to look that one up. But Nancy Bellicosi, for now on, Nancy Stretch Bellicosi. Take it, Mr. President. You can take the bellicosi if you like. Stretch sticks with me. You know, uh, we do a lot of research for this program, and then all of a sudden it splatters against the wall. And that's because Nancy Bellicosi goes to the microphone. And by the way, they can mock Trump all they want. At least he knows how to talk in complete sentences. Nancy Bellicosi... I mean, she's uh, she she sounds like Catherine Hepburn in her worst days. I mean, it's just a <laughs> so Nancy Stretch Bellicosi at a press conference today. Cut seven. Go. So uh, so, but the president again stormed out. I think what first. All right, stop. He didn't pound the table. He didn't storm out. That didn't happen. There were actually witnesses there. Nancy Pelicosi is also Nancy Skrillicosi in the head. Something's not right. But anyway, go ahead. We'll walk out the door. What? Next time, have the TV cameras in there while I have my say. That didn't work for him either. Does she sound coherent to you, ladies and gentlemen? Maybe she's on medical marijuana or something. You think, Mr. Producer? I don't know, but she sounds to me like uh, like Joe Biden, quite frankly. Go ahead. This time, another ten- temper tantrum. Uh, uh. So you see the game. Oh, here's a temper tantrum. He's unstable. He's un. Seems to me he's running circles around these people while they try to destroy him. Seems to me she's the one having a fit and a near nervous breakdown. How else to explain the, the twitting? She reminds me of the uh, commander. You ever see those uh, Pink Panther movies? And the commander or the, or the sergeant of the police force? 
how he starts twitching Inspector Clouseau. No, but he's upset of it. Inspector Clouseau, right? And he starts tweeting all over that. His eyes are going. His guys, he's getting these. That's who she is. Go ahead. Again, I pray for the president of the United States. I wish that his family or his administration or his staff would have an intervention for the good of the country. What an idiot. I rest for president's Gee, that wasn't contrived, was it, ladies and gentlemen? I don't think so. Do you? No, I don't. Nancy's not smart enough to do that off the top of her head. But she continues, Kareko. Uh, and then uh, that's up to his family and his... And his um... Oh, aren't you something? Aren't you special? And then intervention, and then we, and, and that's up to his family. <laughs> she sounds like Buddy Hackett. That's what it is. Let's find an old audio of Buddy Hackett. I know I'm putting you on the spot, Mr. Buddy. Let's see how fast you are. We'll, we'll, we'll work on an old audio of Buddy Hackett, and you tell me if she doesn't sound like Buddy Hackett. Nancy Bellicosi. Go ahead. Uh, and then uh, intervention, that's up to his family and his, hey. and his, um, and his, his cabinet and his staff in the White House. This is not behavior that is, uh, uh, rises Oy. to the dignity of the office of no, president. No, no. That representative Steve Hill bringing fried chicken into the, uh, into the House committee room and putting that at the uh, chair and the table and sitting there and eating it. That, 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 that's, that's, that's great behavior. Or, or Omar or Talib, two bigots and anti-Semites. Now that's great. Oh, you got Buddy Hat? You're good. Okay, this guy is hunting for ducks. He's not the farmer, right. and he's not the animal. The duck is the animal. All right. Sound like him, right? Hey, shoots a duck. The duck falls. A lot of you people want to conserve ducks, and you're worried this is it's only a joke. The duck didn't really die. All right. Now let's hear her. But having said that, is am that I right? Said- Doesn't she sound like Buddy Hackett? So Nancy Bellicosi is the Buddy Hackett of politics. Yes, yes, he is. He's Buddy Hackett of politics. Go ahead. I actually ardently pray for the president because we need... Oh, shut up. You don't pray at all. What are you talking about? Party of uh, infanticide. She prays a bustle hit the president. We all know this. Go ahead. Sometimes when we're talking to him, he's un- he agrees. And then I, I said one time, who's in charge here? Because you agree, and then all of a sudden something changes. What goes oh, on? Oh, kind of like you on the border. Your position changed. Like that, you know, maybe you need an intervention. Go ahead. Who's in charge? Uh, and he says he's in charge, and I suspect... That he may Listen be. to these ramblings of hers. You know what else? How about uh, Professor Erwin Corey? Maybe she sounds like Professor Erwin Corey, I'm starting to think. It's a, it's a toss. See if you can find him, would you? He's, 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 she's kind of a toss between Buddy Hackett and Professor Erwin Corey, who we'll find in a minute. Go ahead. And I suspect he may be even more since yesterday because I don't think that any responsible assistant to the president of the United States would have advised him to do what he did yesterday. You see, ladies and gentlemen, she's trying to convince you that there's something wrong with the president. And 
He needs an intervention. She's praying for his health, his mental health, as her dentures are slipping out of her mouth. She's put together with uh, screws and glue and toothpaste. And, uh, yes, and I just hope that his staff wouldn't permit this. You know, somebody's got to help us with this. Uh, something's not right. Now, here's Professor Erwin Corey. Go ahead. As it is customary, we generally have a question period, and there were some questions that were asked me. Here is a question. Professor, why do you wear tennis shoes? Well, that's a two-part question. First, you ask why. Well, why has been plaguing man since time immemorial? That's it? I love this guy. you got to find more than that. Statesmen, philosophers, educators, teachers, scientists have been asking the ultimate why. And in these few moments allocated me, it would be ludicrous on my part for the sake of brevity to delve into the ultimate why. Do I wear sneakers? Yes! must appreciate not only understanding, but as Joachim ben Zakai once said, remember, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> and where's Buddy Hackett again? Now that's Professor Aaron Craig. Give me Buddy Hackett again. And you conservationist, I'm sure you're all pure vegetarian. There and you go. So meat. she's kind of a cross between Professor Erwin Curry and... Uh, Buddy Hackett. Now let's listen to her some more. Go ahead. Would you be prepared to do something differently from the pragmatism of getting more done, to not use phrases like cover up or to not perhaps provoke him? Would you be open to that? Well, you have bought into his excuse. That was not a reason that he did that yesterday. That was an excuse for him to do that. And with all due respect to your question. Oh, she's mad at this reporter. I thought I had you all in my back pocket. And this is Kelly O'Donnell, NBC News. You're, you're not supposed to be asking questions like that. No, Kelly. Yes, yes, Kelly, you're not supposed to be asking questions like that. Do you know who I'm the Speaker of the House? Speaker. You know who else she sounds like? Daffy Duck. Anyway, go ahead. Intend not to honor my oath of office, nor do my colleagues in the House of Representatives, uh, to honor our oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution. Well, you're doing a hell of a job of protecting and defending the Constitution. I think all of uh, the constitutionalists out there would have to agree that these subpoenas, I'll tell you what, they are certainly upholding the Constitution. And the interests of the House, of the Democrats, and getting to the bottom of the true Russia scandal, oh, they're, they're really upholding the Constitution. And the way they are smearing the attorney general, oh, they're upholding the Constitution and her colleagues in the Senate. The way they went after Kavanaugh, man, they're upholding the Constitution, aren't they? I don't know about you, but when it comes to left-wing radical crackpots like Nancy Pelosi, I always think, wow, they're upholding the Constitution. She's upholding the Constitution. We have a constitutional crisis. No, we have a constipational crisis with these people. Go ahead. It's a separation of power uh, yes, in it. Yes. And again, it's a question of the American people understanding uh, that what he is doing is an assault on the Constitution. Of well, the we United. understand the Constitution better than you do, Nancy Bellicosi. We understand the Constitution very well. Uh, you said the other day that the president was obstructing justice. Uh, 
If you weren't the speaker and didn't deserve respect and weren't treated as the honor, I would say you're an ignoramus. Because you can't obstruct justice. It's not a criminal investigator. You'd be obstructing Congress. But who knows? These are little details. Go ahead. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. Whoa! I hope you can, too. Whoa, 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 whoa. sir, is an investigated fabrication. There you go. There you, say, go ahead. Sounds like her. Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. Duck season. Wabbit season. All right, doesn't, didn't she just say... We can walk and chew dung at the same time. You want to try play that again? I think she said we can walk and chew dung, um, uh, gum at the same time. I'm pretty sure she said that. And I believe she can walk and chew dung at the same time. I believe she's capable of that, Nancy Bellicosi. Go ahead and play it. On the Constitution of the United States. We can walk and chew dung, gum at the same ha, time. Ha, ha, caught her. Yes, I did. Carter. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. We can walk and chew dung gum. We can walk and chew dung gum. Who eats dung gum, Mr. Producer? Apparently that's a big thing in the Democrat caucus. We can walk and chew dung gum. Can you play that again? We can walk and chew dung gum. Dung gum. That sounds very unhealthy to me. But I want to congratulate Nancy Bellicosi. What we have done now, we have added her... To our mumbler list. Let's take a listen. Go ahead. What are they? Can you get a finding? The ghost track? They have an eye. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them. With the the withdraw bringing U.S. home troops from home. And 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 the the the. Hey, no, you know you know you 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 need somebody. Wait. So uh, what, finally. What? And uh, um. But resist, we much, we must, and we will much about that be committed. I, 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 I'm, I'm a warrior. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, that, it was, the, 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 the
look, the 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 yeah. The, well, I was a stri- was it him? Well, I I I didn't. If we if we you know it you know it we can walk and chew gum. All Democrats of one sort or another. But Nancy Pelosi wasn't done. You know, Nancy, I might give you some advice. Maybe there can be an intervention by me to help you. And I do this for the country, of course. Uh, Nancy, maybe you should stop accusing people of criminal conduct who haven't committed crimes. Maybe you should stop trying to get into their bank records and their financial records and their tax returns. You're the Svengali behind the scenes. We all know this. That's you. You're responsible for this. And Nancy Bellicosi, why won't you and your husband, Paul Bellicosi, release your tax returns and your bank records and your financial records? And I'll keep asking. But Nancy Bellicosi wasn't done, ladies and gentlemen. Which cut am I on, sir? Cut 10, go. The White House is just crying out for impeachment. That's why he flipped yesterday. Now, this is part of their strategy. So if they decide to pursue impeachment, they'll say, well, we're doing what the president wanted. She thinks you're so stupid. She thinks you're part of their base. Not part of her base in San Francisco. No, 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 no. We're much smarter than that. They're so used to talking down to their voters. When they talk to us, they need to talk up to our voters. They need to look up at us because we're smarter than them. Go ahead. He was hoping because he was somehow or other. You all have a story that isn't real. I mean, you, you want to believe that there's all this unease in our caucus. That simply isn't the truth. No, they all are dancing like the Rockettes in the caucus room. Dancing like Rockettes. May I say that? I think I will. They're all on the same page with Talib and Omar and Ayach. They're all on the same page. Radical crackpots. Go ahead. Respect for the diversity of opinion in our caucus. Oh, our... the diversity of opinion. That's like the diversity of opinion in the early Politburo after the Russian Revolution between Lenin and Trotsky and Stalin and that ilk. It's not really a diversity of opinion. You're sort of nuanced, you know. Go ahead. Our diversity is our strength. Our unity is our power. And we have unity. Excuse me, excuse me. What did she uh, go to a Chinese restaurant yesterday and have a couple of fortune cookies and crack them open? Say, oh, diversity is our power uh, and uh, unity is our uh, whatever. Wow. May I have some more orange sherbet, please? I'll be right back. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound 
to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. Now, uh, I'm not done with Nancy Bellicosi. This is just too good. But have you noticed... All these reports, now measles and all these diseases. But whatever you say, it's not illegal aliens. It's not massive immigration from dirt poor countries. No, 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 no. It's got to be the Orthodox Jews because they don't vaccinate. That's one thing I heard. No, no, no. It's got to be this movement in California. They don't vaccinate. It's another one I heard. Well, we have hundreds of thousands of people coming here from all over the world, uh, particularly south of the border. They, 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 they're not vaccinated. We don't know. No, no, no. What are you, xenophobic? I, I don't even know what that means, xenophobic. It's a good word for scramble. Well, well, you're xenophobic. It can't be that. It can't be open borders and endless immigration. That we know. Well, why couldn't it be? People come in here illegally. That means they're not checked. We don't know what their health is. Some of them go right into hospitals. They're very ill. No, no, no. That can't be it. Because I listen to the news reporting. We got measles. We've got got all these diseases. It's like, didn't we deal with this like 50, 80 years ago and take care? Yes, but they're back. Why? Climate change. Climate change. Oh, you didn't know. Ask Chuck Todd. The measles, yes, climate change. Professor uh, Nudnik there at the UN, he says, look, climate change is responsible for measles and, uh, and, and, and whooping cough and all these other things. Really? Yes. Unbelievable what we're allowing to happen in this country. It really is. Unbelievable. And you're not allowed to talk about it. Of course, which I do. What are you trying to say, Mark? What do you mean, what am I trying to say? When you have dirt poor people escaping dirt poor countries, coming into our country, unchecked. I think we call it a caravan. Oh, it's a caravan. It's not an invasion. I know this because Jim Acosta told us this. It's a caravan coming into the country. And we're not able to check the health of the people coming into the country. And they're coming from poor countries where there's all kinds of diseases and illnesses. And Let's see, wouldn't logic tell you that might be a problem? No, of course not. These are future Democratic voters. One of the problems we have is we get politicians like Nancy Pelosi, who's been in Congress for about 112 years, and Chuck Schumer, same thing. Really low IQ, nasty people who are on a power trip. We get politicians like this because we don't have a true press that keeps them in check. And this is the truth. So the lower the press gets, the lower the politicians get, 
and the lower the politics gets. And that's part of the big problem today. And I want to tell you something. I'm not allowed to get into numbers. But you folks, Levinites, patriots, who care deeply about this country, who revere the Declaration and the Constitution, who revere the First Amendment and freedom of the press, you're doing what I knew you would do. An enormous number of you have already purchased a copy of Unfreedom of the Press because you're worried about the future of this country. And you want to spread the word like the early pamphleteers. Many, 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 many of you understand the import of Thomas Paine and his pamphlets. And that's you. You want to spread the word outside and around the usual media outlets. We need to speak at the dinner table. We need to speak to our friends at restaurants, at social events, churches, synagogues, wherever we are. And I'm going to help you do that. And I've been doing that. Using unfreedom of the press. There's more information about the press, the history, the ideology, their conduct, where they're coming from, facts, in this 250-page book than you will find anywhere else on the face of the earth. Certainly in a book. And the book's been highly praised by a number of really wonderful and serious people, including Cal Thomas, said it's the best book on the press he's ever read. And he would know. And it's despised by exactly the right people, the people who despise you. And you will be informed, and you will be the Thomas Paine of your family, of your community. It's very, very important. You can get the book on Amazon.com. You can order it and buy it from your local bookstore. That's always good, your independent local bookstore. The books are in Costco. I went in Costco today. Did we post that photo, Mr. Producer? W- wasn't that amazing? I go into Costco to get every week or two to get a hot dog, quite frankly. I like their big kosher hot dogs. And a soda. It's still like a buck fifty or buck eighty. It's it's amazing. They, you know they lose money on that. So I figure Nadler will go in there. I figure we'll have a meeting of Fatties United. And and by the way, I've decided to relinquish the chairmanship of Fatties United to Nadler. So now he's the chairman of FU. So in honor of FU, Mr. Nadler, it's all yours. FU. So I go into Costco. Get my let me let me look at the book stacks they have there. So I go over to the book stack. Holy mackerel. Stack, stack, stack of book. It's not very busy in in that particular Costco in the middle of the day on a Thursday, I guess. And there were two stacks of my books there. One was a full stack, and the other one was about, what, three-fourths empty. And all the other ones are stacked up. You need to go on uh, Mark Levin Show, Facebook, Mark Levin Show, Twitter. You'll see. So I said, you know, I'm going to take a picture of this. Hope nobody recognizes me. It's going to look like a little goofy. But no, I, I took a quick picture. I, I should have signed him, probably. But I want to get a hot dog and move on, you know. So uh, I'm sending you this photo because it's incredible. All the other stacks of books, it doesn't look like anybody bought any. Maybe they bought two or three. One of the stacks, of two stacks of my book, was really almost gone. You're going in the Costco, you're going in the Barnes and Noble, 
you're going into books a million, you're going into Walmart, Target, Sam's Club, BJ's. Somebody told me today it's in their it's in their grocery store. You're going into your local stores, we're hearing. And of course, you're going on Amazon. And those of you who are commenting with the five stars, I can't thank you enough. You ought to look at the one stars. It's the usual low lives who go in there, haven't read the book, or trying to drag down the book. Look at the five stars if you have any question. And it's 40% off. It's a good discount there. So I just point that out to you. And I think you're going to be really, really uh, pleased with the book. And I'm pleased when you are, because it takes me 12 to 14 months, sometimes longer, to write a book. And it was a very tough year writing this book, all the tragedy that occurred in the family. And there were zones where I couldn't write and zones where I did. But I was committed to getting this out. I just feel the country's at a point where we really need to push back. We really need to push back. This needs to be a movement now, a movement where we demand reformation of the press, that they don't get to just go on TV and lecture us and yell at us and talk down to us and call us names. That's our press. We don't own those companies, but it's our press. If they continue to act that way, they ought not be treated as the press. They are the modern mass media, different than a free press. And you're sending a message. You're sending a message by ordering this book. You're sending a message by citing this book, by reading this book, by discussing this book, by posting about this book. And that's the mission. That's the mission. They need to know that there's millions of you out there. There's millions of you out there. And we're smarter than they are. And we're more committed to this country than they are. And we're more committed to freedom of the press by far than they are. You'll be shocked at some of the stuff you read in this book. You'll also be well-informed about history. But you'll know your instincts have been right. Now, some of you may not like to read books. This is a pretty easy read, quite frankly, but it's also out there in audio, just so you know. But it's a pretty easy read. Again, look at the five-star comments on Amazon. I check them out. I'm harder on myself than anybody is on me. When it comes to writing a book, when it comes to doing a radio show or TV show, I'm always thinking about when I'm done this radio show, I used to call my dad and my dad and mom. They're not there. So I'll talk to my wife. I'll also think about it. Was that a good show? Did I handle it right? When you write a book, it's all it's all out there. All the research, your writing style, words that you use, arguments you make. It's really quite a deal. And it's not the easiest thing for most people to do. It's not that it's easy for me. It's, it's just something I feel that's very, very important to do. Anyway, you Thomas Paines out there, you Levinites, I want to thank you. Those of you who haven't done it yet, you can jump right in with all the rest of us. On Freedom of the Press, this weekend, many of you will be going to the, the big box stores, the warehouse stores, maybe go to Barnes & Noble or Books A Million, Maybe we'll be doing some shopping at Walmart or Target. Uh, you can go online and get it the next day. Or your local bookstore is a great place to buy a book and support them. In any event, take advantage of it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hey. 
Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free. At levinforhillsdale.com, that's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mr. Producer, you went to BJ's uh, today. Where, where, what, which BJ's? BJ's in AOC's Yorktown Heights, New York. And they have a big table of books, you know, like Costco and everything, right? Correct. And how was the book doing there? The book was non-existent. It was not there. So they didn't even have the book? No. I wonder why that would be. That's kind of weird. It's very odd. Okay. Well, folks, if your store's not carrying the book, you might want to ask them why. I mean, right now it's, I believe, the hottest book in the country. I could be wrong about that. But uh, that's kind of weird. And the weekend's coming. And I want to remind you that this Saturday will be the first book signing. This very Saturday, we're going to be coming to Ridgewood, New Jersey at bookends. And the book signing will start at 1 p.m. And you can contact that store, bookends, and pre-purchase your book so it can go faster and then pop right in line, get earlier in line, and then come right for the signature. So if if you live anywhere near uh, northern Jersey, it's a beautiful little town, by the way. I very much like it. It's a wonderful bookstore. Uh, You might want to check it out. It's my first book signing on this book. Uh, So I want to remind you, it's bookends this Saturday, May 25th, 1 p.m., Ridgewood, New Jersey. It's 211 East Ridgewood Avenue. It's probably better if you pre-purchase your book so you can get in there earlier and move it faster and then uh, for yourself. And, And, of course, I'll sign it. If you just show up, We'll sign it anyway. You can buy it then and sign it. So that's that's not, the, you know, that's not the end of the world if you don't. Come one, come all. We want to see as many of you as possible. And so I decided this weekend um, that I would come up to uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey. The next day, Sunday, May 26th, Sunday, May 26th, 1 p.m., uh, we'll be going to Huntington, New York on Long Island, another wonderful local bookstore called Book Review. And that's on 313 New York Avenue, Book Review, Long Island, Huntington, New York, May 26th, 1 p.m. My buddy uh, Brian Kilmeade's going to be there, too. So that'll be a lot of fun. So those are the two big book signings, Saturday and Sunday. Now, Monday, we won't be on the air, obviously. We'll do a best of yesterday's show, I think. And then the rest of the week, of course, we're here, here. And the following Saturday, not this one, the following one, get ready, Barnes & Noble, 
Tyson's Corner in McLean, Virginia. Now, I ought to tell you that the signing at Bookends and Book Review are sponsored in many ways by our friends at WABC. And our signing at Barnes & Noble in McLean, Virginia, Tyson's Corner, June 1st at 10 a.m., our buddies at WMAL. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Wonderful people show up. And you should, too. You'll think, well, I don't know. I'm going to go to the shore. It might be right. Just come. And then go to the shore. Or do whatever you're going to do. But we'll have a lot of fun. I only do this every other year. I only do this every other year. And uh, I don't do a lot of them. Sometimes you'll see these people who write books. I'm going to be in Florida. I'm going to be in Idaho. It goes on for like eight months. You notice that, Mr. Producer? Eight months. And I'm going to do a show, uh, stand on my head. uh, And wait till you see uh, I'm going to spin on my foot. Uh, No, no. It's you and me. Four book signings. That's it. And the Reagan Library sold out. So really there's three now. Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey, this Saturday, 1 p.m. I can't wait to see you folks. I really can't wait. Next day, Sunday, the 26th, 1 p.m., Book Review, Huntington, New York. I can't wait. And I'll tell you about media, too. We're going to be doing a Judge Janine on Saturday, Fox and Friends Sunday on Sunday, and my show. What am I supposed to do, Mr. Producer? It's going to have to wait. Commercial's going to have to wait till the next hour. Why? Because I blew it. That's why. All right. What's okay? And those si- on uh, we're we're posting them on Facebook and Twitter for those of you who uh, care to come. I hope there's a lot of you. We're going to have a blast. I'm so excited about this. I really am. I think I'm more excited about this book than any book since uh, Rescuing Sprite, really. And Liberty and Tyranny. I've been excited about all my books. Don't get me wrong. They're all your children. But this one's so crucially important and timely on freedom of the press. Do I have time to take a call? All right. Let's take a call here. Let's see. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Mr. Producer, give me a caller. XM Satellite, John, New Mexico. Go. Mark, you remember the old movie Goldfinger? Of course. Uh, there was a lady in there that had a flying circus, but I think the new name for Nancy should be Pelosi Galore and her lying circus. There you go. I kind of like mine, though. I'm an old 76-year-old Marine, no longer on active duty, of course. But God uh, bless you. Retired. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll bet you're sick and tired of watching what's happening to the president in this country, aren't you, sir? I sure am. I'm with you. I'm with you. Thank you, John. You take care of yourselves. Las Cruces, New Mexico. Beautiful place. We got a lot more. We just got started. I hope you'll stick with us. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. See, the problem 
the Democrats are having is the American people don't want impeachment. And the American people are sick of these investigations. But the Democrat base is not representative of the American people. They're irregular Americans. They're crackpots. Their base has been radicalized by the media. Quite frankly, by CNN and MSLSD and the New York Times and the rest of it. They won't take no for an answer. So they're trying to figure out. We've got our rabid base. And then we have other Americans. They're not sure to go with the rabid base or other Americans. So what they're trying to do is drive down the president's poll numbers. And if they can get them down to like 35, 33 percent, then they figure they have a shot at impeachment without having backfired on them. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, what they're not taking into account is you. They listen to Mitt Romney. They listen to Justin Amash. They listen to the, They're not representative of you. The establishment. Or whack jobs and so forth. Now, Donald Trump replied to Nancy Pelosi. And I'm not going to play all of it, but I'm going to play some of it because he has a right to respond to her. Cut 14, go. Speaker Pelosi said today she hoped her, your family would conduct an intervention with yeah. you. What's your reaction to that? No, I saw her uh, read it perfectly, just the way she said it. It's very, very... Uh, sort of a nasty type statement, but I will say this. She, she said I walked into the room right next door yesterday and walked in and started screaming and yelling. Just the opposite. Just the opposite. Because I know that they will always say that, even if it didn't happen, because this happened once before. I walked out, I was so calm. You all saw me minutes later, I was at a news conference. I was extremely calm. I was probably even more so in that room. So I walked into the cabinet room. You had the, uh, the group, Crying Chuck, Crazy Nancy. I tell you what, I've been watching her, and I have, I have been watching her for a long period of time. She's not the same person. Uh, she's lost it. Mm-hmm. He's right about that. Cut 15, go. These are bad people. You know, a lot of people say deep state. I don't say deep state. We have a lot of bad people, and I think they're being found out. I think right now... Uh, I saw where Comey is blaming this one and Brennan's blaming another one and uh, they're going against each other and Clapper, I think yesterday, maybe is blaming President Obama. Oh, so surprised to see that happening. Got a lot of bad people. Got a lot of bad people and it's a shame. But I, I said to everybody before I walked in, I said I'm going to be very calm because I don't want them going out to the press and saying that I was anything but calm. So I was extremely calm, very much like I am right now. And it was sad when I watched Nancy all moving, the movement and the hands and the craziness. And I watched it. That's, by the way, a person that's got some problems. But when Mm -hmm. I watched that this morning, then I went over to Arlington National Cemetery for a very beautiful moment with the First Lady. But I watched that this morning, and that's just a narrative they want to put out, and I think it's pretty sad when they have to play that kind of narrative. I think it's a very sad thing for our country. And then cut 16, go. She says that you want to be impeached. Do you want to be impeached? I don't think anybody wants to be impeached. But I'll tell you what. We went through two years of Bob Mueller with 18 people that hated Donald Trump, Many of them contributed to Hillary Clinton's campaign. One of them in particular, Weissman. 
18 prosecutors, FBI agents all over the place, 500 interviews, 1,400 pages of documents that I gave. I didn't use presidential prerogatives or anything having to do with the powers of the presidency. I let everybody go up and speak, including the council, White House counsel. I let them speak for uh, 30 hours, as they tell me, 30, 32 hours. I never once said I could have stopped him very much and said, no, I don't want White House counsel to speak. I don't want Sarah Huckabee to speak, who went up there also, I believe. Uh, everybody. I didn't have to let any of them go. Now, maybe I would have lost in court. I doubt it. Everyone tells me I had total uh, the total power to have that stopped. With all of that, after two years, no collusion and findings that strongly led a great attorney general to be able to rule no obstruction. It's all true. This whole thing is a, is a scam. The whole thing's been a scam from day one, pushed by the Democrats, Russian collusion. And I told you uh, I was on the Shannon Bream show last night, and as I explained to her in the audience, uh, and I told you the a few hours earlier, these Obama judges are really off their rockers. Absolutely off their rockers with these subpoenas and so forth. And I'm glad to see Alan Dershowitz agrees with me. He has a piece in The Hill. He says, When I came of age during the 1950s, liberals and civil libertarians were deeply concerned about the abuses of congressional investigations. Now, keep in mind, I don't agree with them on all this, but I want you to listen. To expose communists and fellow travelers, Republican Senator Joseph McCarthy was using congressional committees to do his dirty work. And he goes on later. My law professor, mentor, and friend at the time, Telford Taylor, the chief prosecutor at the Nuremberg War Crimes Trials after World War II, wrote a masterful critique of these bogus congressional hearings entitled Grand Inquest. In it, he provided an extensive history of the misuse of hearings for partisan and ideological purposes. He called for reform, including judicial oversight of congressional excesses. A young liberal lawyer named Abner Mikva, who later became a distinguished federal judge, wrote a glowing review of the book, though he criticized Taylor for not going far enough and not being enough of a true civil libertarian. It's quite fair to say that back in the day, virtually all liberals and civil libertarians, led by the ACLU, wanted to impose restrictions on the power of Congress to investigate, subpoena, and question individuals for partisan or ideological purposes. Now the shoe's on the other foot. It's the Democrats who are abusing their congressional investigations for partisan and ideological purposes. It's the Democrats who are putting forward the phony arguments about legislative purposes, such as the need for new laws and congressional oversight. It's the Democrats in the House who are determined to misuse their legislative power to gain advantages in the upcoming elections. And now it's the Republicans who are crying foul. This is the thing he does, you know in order to explain his own history and past that he's always been on the correct side. I look past that, at least in this article. And then he hits the point. The decision by Judge Amit Mehta to authorize broad congressional investigations of the Trump administration and President Trump himself, going back to well before he was a presidential candidate, could easily have been written, he says, by a right-wing judge in the 1950s. Can't help himself. But it swallows whole hog the claimed legitimate legislative purposes put forward by those committees now led by the Democrats. 
But it goes even further and suggests that a court has no power to probe the real motives behind legislative investigations, so long as the claim motives are plausible. Under this decision that goes against civil liberties, Congress could investigate any person for any reason, as long as it pretends to be doing so for a legitimate legislative purpose. The decision is an open invitation for abuse of power. And of course, even Dershowitz can't bring himself to say this is an Obama appointee. And I told you the same thing the other day. This judge, you got a judge in D.C., a judge in New York, Obama appointees, are absolutely activists of the worst kind. They are Democrats first and judges second. No, Congress doesn't have the right to oversee everything. No, Congress doesn't have the power to subpoena everything. Whether it's a citizen or whether it's another branch of government, Congress is one of three branches. The House is half of one branch. If the House is right, if these judges are right, you will never have an independent presidency again because they will subpoena away for anything and everything they want and just claim that they have a legislative purpose. And that'll be good enough. That's the precedence that's being set here. Truly the destruction of the separation of powers, where they want to force the President of the United States to report to the House of Representatives. This is one of the reasons I strongly disagree with people who say that you can indict a sitting president. I used to take that position. But even before Donald Trump was President of the United States, I'd say sometime about five or six years ago, when people were talking about indicting Obama, I said no. Why is that? Why is that? We have 93 U.S. attorneys. We have thousands and thousands of assistant United States attorneys. You can indict a sitting president. Can you imagine what would be done? Is the notion that all prosecutors, like Mr. Mueller and Weissman, and the rest of them in that office, are noble? They're not going to be political? Is that what happened when 900 former federal liberal prosecutors wrote a letter and said, well, we would have prosecuted them. No. That's too much power in the hands of individuals who don't have to stand for election or not to be held accountable. This has already been a constitutional farce and an injustice, an unimaginable unimaginable injustice. The appointment of Robert Mueller in the first place was defective, it didn't meet the, st- the uh, regulatory requirements. There was no criminal basis whatsoever. His report, the way he wrote it, what he said in his report, an abomination. That was not the intention of the regulation. What's being done now, these phony subpoenas into the president's private life, basically, his businesses, his bank accounts, and so forth. And I want you to know something. Wells Fargo Bank and other banks are already turning information over to the House of Representatives. And let me tell you what I'm going to do. I read this today. Let me tell you what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to shut down my Wells Fargo account. I'm going to shut down my Wells Fargo account and put my money somewhere else. That's how you send a message. And I would encourage all of you to do the same thing. It's a pain in the ass. I know that. Excuse my French. But it is what it is. 
I'll probably have to do it next week since I'm busy this week. But nonetheless, it's going to get done. You want to know why, ladies and gentlemen? They didn't even put up a fight. And when I have my bank records at a bank that won't even put up a fight, when rabid Democrat mobsters in the House of Representatives want to see the president's bank account information, well, that's enough for me. I don't trust that bank. I don't trust that company to protect me. And they're such cowards, they won't even put up a fight. Those of you who believe in your own privacy, of your bank accounts and your bank information, to watch this bank fold like a cheap tent in front of a congressional subpoena when they should have gone to court and fought it? Well, that sounds to me like they're anti-Trump. But more than that, they're anti-their customers. Because if they're not going to protect our bank accounts from rabid mob Democrats in the House of Representatives, that I'm moving along. I'm moving my money. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners, you, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The same media, the same Democrats who are dragging us through, through this mess as they continue to push their agenda. I want to remind you, before too much time passes, for all the years Donald Trump has been president, as I write in Unfreedom of the Press, the mass media have been fixated on a storyline that had no basis in fact that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians during the 2016 presidential race to defeat Hillary Clinton. To this day, and after all this time, despite congressional, criminal, and media investigations, there is nothing but Democratic Party press innuendo, supposition, and dissembling. In addition to special counsel Robert Mueller's declaration of no collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, on February 7, 2019, Senator Richard Burr, chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, told CBS News that if we write a report based upon the facts that we have, then we don't have anything that would suggest there was collusion by the Trump campaign in Russia. It merits emphasizing that the supposed plot was in fact launched by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee. It would be the same people and the same operatives who are involved now in trying to drag down the President of the United States. They've just moved on to the next phase. And they had assistance from the Obama FBI and the Department of Justice. In short, as the Federalists explained, 
Perkins Coy, an international law firm, was directed by both the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton's campaign to retain Fusion GPS in April of 2016 to dig up dirt on then-candidate Donald Trump. Fusion GPS then hired Christopher Steele, a former British spy, to compile dossier of allegations that Trump and his campaign actively colluded with the Russian government during the 2016 campaign. The Democrats, Hillary Clinton, the Obama administration, a cabal, pushed a lie on the American people. Though many of the claims in the dossier have been directly refuted, none of the dossier's allegations of collusion had ever been independently verified. And the Hills' John Solomon discovered that that dossier was provided to the FBI by at least six different people with connections to the Hillary Clinton campaign. And information from the dossier, along with a news story planted by Steele with Yahoo reporter Michael Isakoff, was used by the FBI and the Department of Justice to expand a counterintelligence investigation aimed at the Trump campaign and businesses and to secure successive surveillance warrants from the FISA court. Just remember how this began. Remember how this began. So committed to this plot had been the media that they actually played an active role in these investigations. John Solomon points out. Fired FBI official Peter Stroke and his alleged paramour, former FBI lawyer Lisa Page, texted frequently about leaks in the media affecting their cases and even suggested the FBI was behind some of them. FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe was fired for lying about one media leak he authorized. FBI secured a FISA warrant against Trump, campaign advisor Page, based on another media leak. And it goes on and on and on. The media have aided and abetted this from day one. And yet they claim that they represent freedom of the press. They are destroying freedom of the press. I'll be right back. Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. NBC News first reported that Wells Fargo turned over a few thousand documents to Maxine Waters' committee, and she's already told you over and over again that she wanted to impeach the president, so that you know the purpose of that. And TD Bank provided a handful. I don't have any money in TD Bank. But I'm hoping all of you Levinites out there, all of you who believe in the rule of law and the Constitution, seriously consider moving your bank account from Wells Fargo. And you should go into the general manager and you should say, look, I'm going to tell you something. Your executives decided to turn over the president's private bank information to Maxine Waters and the Democrats on her committee. I don't trust you to protect my bank accounts. From anybody. If you're going to do that to the President of the United States, imagine what you're going to do to little old me, Mr. and Mrs. Citizen. I'm quite serious about this. And so we'll be shutting down our Wells Fargo account. Again, it's a pain in the neck, but I'm still going to do it. This is how you you operate at the grassroots. This is what the left does. And so, if millions of you take your funds out of Wells Fargo and put them someplace else, you'll be sending a message to other banks to fight. To fight to protect your private bank records. 
that I like to talk about, oh, there's a federal law from 1924 that requires the IRS to turn over tax returns. That's a joke. There's no law that requires a bank to turn over the president's documents, thousands of documents to a committee. Just because Congress issues a subpoena doesn't mean it should be honored. There are illegitimate subpoenas, too. The Wells Fargo chose not to fight it. <coughs> I assume it's for political reasons. TD Bank provided a handful of documents. I don't know what to make of that. Personally, I don't want any bank to turn over any of my documents to anybody, let alone politicians in Congress, let alone Maxine Waters, a reprobate. So I hope you'll join me in this. It's not a campaign. I'm not leading a boycott. I'm just saying this is what Wells Fargo is doing. I'm pulling my money out, and you ought to do the same thing. And tell them why. You can say it's not even a Trump thing. Although I have to say you're giving the president's records to Maxine Waters. It said I want my privacy protected. Well, if we ever get a subpoena on you. No, no, I expect you to fight it. This is an abuse of power, ladies and gentlemen, by these committees. And they're setting a precedent where if Congress wants bank records from a United States citizen, you, Congress will be able to get it. How do I know? Because that's basically what the Obama judge said. He said, what Congress wants, Congress gets. I never heard of such a jackass ruling in my life. That's not how it works. What Congress wants, Congress gets. Is that what the Constitution says? No, that's what an Obama judge said. So there they are. Let's get them. That means they've been collecting these documents for a while and they couldn't push them out fast enough. I mean, the president's going to appeal this case, but it didn't matter to Wells Fargo. They turned over the records anyway. I don't want my money in a bank like this. I'm sick of these corporations that buckle like this. Press one for English. Two for, I'm sick of it. That's their game. Then let them play in somebody else's backyard, not mine. Goodbye, Wells Fargo. Done. I don't know where to start. You'd think with hard evidence from Mueller that there was no collusion, that the Democrat Party media would have backed off. Nah, you and I know better than that. They're ideologues. They're never going to say it's over. It's never over for them. Well, we're ready to fight over at Levin TV and the Blaze TV network. If you've listened to my shows on Levin TV or on Fox or behind this microphone for any length of time, you know I'm unapologetically pro-Constitution, pro-conservative values, and pro-America. I've always told you what I'm about. I break down the stories. We talk about philosophy, economics, history, and we bring them all together, which is where they belong. The media are furious at what we're doing over at Levin TV. The media are furious what I'm doing with unfreedom of the press. They don't much like me. And I don't much like them. So where does this end? It ends when you say enough is enough. Come check us out on Levin TV by going to the Blaze TV network. Right now you can get a full 30 days to watch every show on the network absolutely free, including Levin TV. And if you decide to stick with us and use promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N, you'll get a full year for less than 8 bucks a month. Start your free trial now. You can go to blazetv.com, that's blazetv.com, or you can use our toll-free number 
And our folks are there. Call 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-L-E-V-I-N-T-V. All right. Did I play any of the president yet, Mr. Producer? I think I did, right? What did I play? Which cut? Well, let I didn't. I cut him off. All right, let's go. Did I cut off sixteen? Sorry, folks. Let's go to seventeen. This is the president today. Go. Sir, the Constitution says treason is punishable by death. You've accused your adversaries of treason. Who specifically are you accusing? Of well, treason? let me help the reporter. First of all, the president is not involved in the prosecution or the sentencing, dimwit. Somebody could be guilty of treason and not put to death. But these are clever reporters with stupid questions. Go ahead. Well, I think a number of people, and I think what you look is that they have unsuccessfully tried to take down the wrong person. If you look at Comey, if you look at McCabe, if you look at probably people people higher than that, if you look at Strzok, if you look at his lover, Lisa Page, his wonderful lover, the two lovers, they talked openly. You know, they didn't use their private server because they didn't want to get caught. So they used the government server. That was not a good move. Uh, he talked about the insurance policy just in case Crooked Hillary loses. And that didn't work out too well for them. So you look at them. Uh, they want an insurance policy so that should she, for any reason, lose. Remember, 100 million to one. Maybe he said 100 million to nothing. But should she lose, we'll have an insurance policy and we'll get this guy out of office. And that's what they said and that's what they meant. That's treason. That's treason. They couldn't win the election and that's what happened. And that's what's happening right now because without the treason word, I guess. But that's what's happening now. They don't feel they can win the election. Let me, let me just stop. I, I find it amazing the press says he calls the press the enemy of the people. He calls people treasonous. I want to ask you, ladies and gentlemen, given what the press has done to us for the last two and a half years and what the press is doing now, given the makeup of CNN and MSNBC, given the history of the New York Times, the Holocaust-denying New York Times and the Washington Post, is the press the friends of the people? When the mass modern media is destroying freedom of the press, what is it? What is it? They're not the free press. They're the modern mass media. If they were the free press, they wouldn't conduct themselves this way. There's no diversity of thought, no independent thinking, no real news going on here. It's all about hits and ratings and all the rest. You and I are going to exercise freedom of the press. Freedom of the press doesn't mean you have to own a cable company or radio company, or any other company. You know what freedom of the press is? You know what they meant by that? You. Exercising your free speech. Today we would say exercising your free speech through broadcasting, such as radio or TV, but also exercising your free speech through a written word, the pamphleteers. That's what they were thinking about, newspapers and pamphleteers. People developing their own newspapers and their own pamphlets. Citizen communicating with citizen, citizen grassroots activities. We've allowed this modern mass media to come between you and me 
and to come between facts and fiction. We need to fix this. And in order to fix it, we need to talk about it. There's no 10-point plan for fixing this. That's not how we function. The more people who fully comprehend the problem and are helped with our new pamphlet on freedom of the press, the book, the more ideas that will develop. They'll develop in somebody's home. They'll develop in somebody's community. We'll get new technologies, new platforms, new ideas. In the meantime, CNN is stuck with CNN. I wouldn't want to be in that position, would you? The Washington Post is stuck with the Washington Post and on down the line. Their business models are in trouble. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because in order to have a truly free press, there needs to be truly serious competition. And those that have a different agenda, however they dress it up, those who have a different agenda, should die on the vine. I don't understand how the New York Times has survived this long, given its repulsive history during the Holocaust and the slaughter of the Ukrainians. No other business would have survived. Now, these people in the media, you would think after two and a half years, they might look in the mirror, but you'd be wrong. Because they're ideologues, because they have participated in this activism on behalf of the left. I said it the other day, where was I, on Shannon Bream's show? Maybe on this show. Well, the shows are coming together. Maybe both. Can you think of a single leak to the New York Times or the Washington Post that has been helpful to, positive about the President of the United States? I can't. Can you think of a single story? Maybe there's one somewhere that has been positive about the President. Conversely, can you think of a single story that has been critical of Nancy Pelosi or asked for her tax returns or her bank accounts or has done any kind of an investigative examination of her? Can you think of one? How about her children, the way Trump's children have been treated? We don't even know the names of her children. Look at the Joe Biden situation. Joe Biden's been in government almost 50 years. They have nothing to ask him. His changed positions, some very radical positions he held and still holds. Serious financial questions about his son, Hunter. And whether or not his father, Joe, interfered in a positive way to assist his... I mean, these are out there. They're not being covered. And when Rudy Giuliani dared to talk about them, he was shouted down. Now, this isn't a free press. This isn't a serious press. These are press spokesmen, press activists for the Democrat Party and the progressive movement. That's what they are. So we need to communicate among ourselves. We need to take a look at what's going on in our country. We need to go around and over and under this impediment to freedom of the press. And we have to start using the language and stop allowing them to intimidate us by saying, well, you must hate free press. No, we love the free press. We have a problem with you. I'll be right back. Mark in. so 
so-called historian Douglas Brinkley, who's on cable right now, pushing his book on the American moonshot. When he's on MSNBC and CNN, he says the most loathsome things about the President of the United States. So he'll come on Fox and present himself as this straight arrow historian. He goes on those other channels. He says loathsome things. I have a whole list of the things that they've been attacking the president on and what they call him in the book. He's one of the ones. I just want to point that out, how this works. Doesn't get past me. I can see the fastball. Now, whether you've got a five-mile commute or you're road-tripping across the country, you know, you want to feel secure behind the wheel. It's a big car. That's a lot of pounds. And that's why you need extended vehicle protection from CarShield. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. If your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like I did. Call their new toll-free number, 800-CAR-6000, 800-CAR-6000, and mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com, carshield.com on the Internet, and use code LEVIN, and you'll save 10% either way. That's 800-CAR-6000, mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com, use code LEVIN to save 10%. A deductible may apply. This is an outstanding vehicle protection plan and car shield is an outstanding company that makes good on its promise 800 car 6000 mention code levin chuck todd on mslsd yesterday it's got michael Steele, the former head of the republican party who's a complete sellout it's amazing what money will do let's hear this cut five and he's he's complaining that republicans are not calling for the ouster of Donald Trump. Go. Michael Steele, I do feel as if careful... Trump has it in his head that this is just... that, that he could basically do what Clinton did. And, and I know he has this in his head. Um, but everybody else is going along with us? Like, do you... I mean, careful catching this car. <laughs> you know, he's begging for this impeachment thinking... And it's like, really? Like, So let's stop there. So he repeats exactly what Nancy Pelosi says that the president's begging for impeachment. He said today, no, he's not. And you know he's not. Who would? Nobody wants to go through that. So Chuck Todd is manufacturing news. Chuck Todd is a journalist, you see. He's a Democrat, Democrat background. His wife is a Democrat activist. He has shown no evidence of nonpartisanship. I don't care how many people, how many clown Republicans he puts on his program. But he's saying exactly the same thing Jake Tapper said the day before. Where are all the Republicans? Why aren't they trying to get, you know, rally, the mob? Why aren't, they, why aren't they calling for the lynching of Donald Trump? How come all of we journalists and Democrats can see this? How come all of our paid Republicans can see this? And how come, of course, crackpot Amash can see this and the great Mitt Romney? Where are all the other Republicans? They want to go down with the ship too? Now, does that sound like a reporter to you? Does that sound like a reporter to you or a Democratic consultant? Go ahead. It's only Justin Amash. 
But Mitt Romney's going to have an open mind. Like, what are you doing? It seems like you're playing with matches near a gas tank. See that? See, you Republicans are playing with matches near a gas tank. What's wrong with you? Help us take down your president, please. Now, are they going to take advice from Chuck Todd, a Democrat? Destroy whatever is left of the Republican base and beyond the base. Do something that is absolutely unjust. Take out a sitting president who's done nothing wrong and who was duly elected under our Constitution to throw him with Maxine Waters and Gerald Nadler? That's what Todd is insisting on. And he has a buffoon by the name of Michael Steele who will be uh, bobbing his head up and down. Go ahead. But there's a great deal of distance between the match and the gas tank at this point. For now. For now. Uh, and, and the calculation is that the Democrats aren't going to be able to get them any closer than they are at the moment. And it kind of plays into what we were just talking about. What is that narrative? What is that coalescing narrative behind which Democrats are going to go to the American people and make the case for impeachment that doesn't come off wholly political and wholly sort of anti-Trumpian? And that's, that's the sweet spot that Trump is in right now, knowing that his Republicans Republicans aren't going to read. But what's, I understand that. But what's in a Republican? And I'm going to have one on John Kennedy. I mean, my God, if. if, if All right, that's from- enough. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. BBC News. Iraq's Christians are close to extinction. How can that be? Christians are almost non-existent in the Middle East. There are entities in the Middle East that want Jews to be non-existent in the Middle East. How did this happen? The first religion there was Judaism. The next was Christianity. And the third was Islam. The Archbishop of Erbil, the capital of Iraqi Kurdistan, has accused Britain's Christian leaders of failing to do enough in defense of the vanishing Christian community in Iraq. In an impassioned address in London, the Right Reverend Bashar Warda said Iraq's Christians now faced extinction after 1,400 years of persecution. Since the U.S.-led invasion toppled the regime of Saddam Hussein in 2003, he said, the Christian community had dwindled by 83% from 1.5 million to just 250,000. Christianity in Iraq, (coughs) he said, one of the oldest churches, if not the oldest church in the world, is perilously close to extinction. Those of us who remain must be ready to face martyrdom. meaning they're getting slaughtered, they're getting wiped out. He referred to the current pressing threat from Islamic State jihadists as a final existential struggle following the group's initial assault in 2014 that displaced more than 125,000 Christians from their historic homelands. Have you heard this anywhere else? Why isn't this blaring news on TV? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Genocide doesn't seem to matter anymore. 
Didn't matter to the New York Times back during the Third Reich, but it doesn't seem to matter to many outfits at all right now. Our tormentors confiscated our present, he said, while seeking to wipe out our history and destroy our future. In Iraq, there is no redress for those who have lost properties, homes, and businesses. Tens of thousands of Christians have nothing to show for their life's work, for generations of work, in places where their families have lived maybe for thousands of years. ISIS, known as the, in the Arab world as Daesh, was driven from its last stronghold in Syria in March after a massive multinational military campaign. Before that, it had already been expelled from Iraq's second city in, of Mosul in July 2017. But churches, monasteries, and homes belonging to Christian families have been decimated. And thousands of families have not returned. And this week, the Archbishop warned of what he said were a growing number of extremist groups that asserted that the killing of Christians and Yazidis helped to spread Islam. The Archbishop went on to accuse Britain's Christian leaders of political correctness over the issue. He called the failure to condemn extremism a cancer, saying they were not speaking out loudly enough for fear of being accused of Islamophobia. Gee, don't we know. Will you continue to condone... This never-ending organized persecution against us, he said. When the next wave of violence begins to hit us, will anyone on your campuses hold demonstrations and carry signs that say we are all Christians? Philip Mountestefan, who chairs the Independent Review, in the Foreign Office's response to the persecution of Christians worldwide said, I think the Archbishop is right that a culture of political correctness has prevented Western voices from speaking out about the persecution of Christians. I think, though, this is mainly due to a reluctance born of post-colonial guilt. Now, is the New York Times covering this, or are they taking another pass? I'm just curious. How about the Washington Post? How about all those news anchors on CNN, particularly this Chris Cuomo? He's a troll. Do you know that, Mr. Producer? Chris Cuomo. I used to think the governor of New York... Andrew Cuomo was the dumbest. I'm now convinced Chris Cuomo's the dumbest. Although he has the brightest teeth, I must say that. Good job there. Bishop Mount Stephan maintains that Christian persecution needs to be viewed from a global perspective and has multiple causes. If we only consider it in the light of Islamic militancy, he said, we let a lot of other people off the hook who should otherwise be held to account It's a horrible, horrible thing that's happening to Christians in Iraq and all over the Arab world. It's just a disgusting thing. I want you to hear from a gentleman. He's actually not a gentleman. Who was giving a a speech. I'm looking for the cut, Mr. Producer, at a university recently. Cut 18. And what he had to say, uh, and part of this is wiped out for me. What is his name? Do you know? Stephen Thrasher. He's the graduation speaker at NYU's Convocation. And he's a professor. And um, I want you to listen to what he's saying at the Convocation. NYU's Convocation. Cut 18, go. Many of us have been together at Occupy Wall Street and at Black Lives Matter protests and at marches against that fascist in the White House that would not allow 56 different countries to cross borders and be together in a setting like this. 
I hope you'll join the NYU uh, 2019 PhD Facebook book uh, group that I started so that we can support each other in the years to come. And I am so proud, so proud of NYU's chapters of Students for Justice in Palestine and Jewish Voices for Peace and of GSOC and of the NYU student government and of my colleagues in the Department of Social and Cultural Analysis for supporting the boycott, divestment and sanctions movement against the apartheid state government in Israel. Tenured professor giving a convocation speech. Absolute radical nut job. This is what's going on on our college campuses. You're a Jewish student. You're a conservative student. You're an evangelical student. You're in danger. You're in danger. What was this clown's name again? I can't see it on my paper here. Stephen Thrasher. Listen to the hate. You, want to wonder, you wonder why anti-Semitism is on the rise in this country? Anti-Christianity is on the rise in this country? You're hearing it. These are the propagandists that are called professors who get tenure. And you see, it's only their academic freedom that counts. Maybe my next book's going to be on the academy. I'm, I'm flirting with it, but you know I'm too busy with this one because it's crucially important. Pretty shocking, isn't it? And then Ilhan Omar takes to the floor of the House of Representatives to open her big, bigoted mouth to attack Christians and Orthodox Jews and others who oppose abortion. I thought many Muslims did. Cut 19, go. Religious fundamentalists are currently trying to manipulate state laws in order to impose their beliefs on an entire society. Excuse me? So when a state passes a law, they're trying to impose their beliefs on an entire society. That's not how it works, knucklehead. You must be confusing these states with the activists on the Supreme Court. But go ahead. All with complete disregard for voices and the rights of American women. Really? Some American women support what's being done. Many American women support what's doing, being done in these, in these states, as a matter of fact. And you know who supports it the most but can't be heard? The female babies. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Recent efforts, like those... Ah, shut up, you idiot. I don't even know why the hell I'm playing you. I don't even know why I'm putting you on the air. You're a left-wing throwback. That's exactly what you are. A Jew hater, anti-Semite. You bring that cultural rot into this country... You refuse to assimilate into our culture? That's what I mean, Philip Bump over there at the Washington Post. That's what I mean, Annalisa Quinn over there at NPR and all the rest of you clowns. You like this? I'll be right back. Mark listen to this uh, commencement speaker, this professor again, and then I want to tell you more about this guy. Cut 18, go. Many of us have been together at Occupy Wall Street and at Black Lives Matter protests and at marches against that fascist in the White House that would not allow 56 different countries to cross borders and be together in a setting like this. 
I hope you'll join the NYU uh, 2019 PhD Facebook book uh, group that I started so that we can support each other in the years to come. And I am so proud, so proud of NYU's chapters of Students for Justice in Palestine and Jewish Voices for Peace and of GSOC and of the NYU student government and of my colleagues in the Department of Social and Cultural Analysis for supporting the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement against the apartheid. So another Jew hater, anti-Semite bigot, on and on he goes, Trump hater. And of course, no controversy, no police needed to protect him, nothing. And our friends over at the Free Big, <coughs> they point out, in 2018, Northwestern University named Thrasher its inaugural Daniel H. Renberg Chair. And according to an announcement from Northwestern's Medill School of Journalism, Media, Integrated Marketing Communications, you, want to want, you wonder why the media are what the media are today? Thrasher will, quote, focus on social justice and reporting with an emphasis on issues relevant to the LGBTQ community. This is what I keep explaining, and this is what I explain in my book. This is the new journalism which is no journalism at all. This is radical, left-wing, progressive, ideologically driven propaganda. The guy is the chair. He gets a chair from Northwestern's Medill School of Journalism, Media, Integrated Marketing, Communication. I'm not done. A campus newspaper story following the announcement stated Thrasher hopes to, quote, establish programs and classes that examine media coverage of sexual and gender minorities. The Washington Free Beacon contacted Northwestern School for its views on Thrasher's comments about the BDS movement and declined to comment. And during the convocation ceremony, Thrasher placed his political causes at the center of the university's mission. This is what we are called to do, he said. This is our NYU legacy that we are connected in radical love. Now, Thrasher previously received his bachelor's degree in dramatic writing and film TV production from NYU. In the interim, I want you to listen to me, he worked as a journalist and at NBC Saturday Night Live. He worked as a journalist and at NBC Saturday Night Live. Exactly what I'm explaining in the book on freedom of the press. It's incredible, isn't it? Let's go to somebody who's actually sane. You know, this Attorney General Barr is so good. He's just so good. I'm, I'm, I could not be more proud of this man. And he's speaking at the American Law Institute the other day, and he said some very profound things. And since you're not going to hear this on TV, I want to play some of this for you tonight. No better than on this show where this stuff really matters to all of us, doesn't it? Cut one, go. These days, clashes between Congress and the executive steal the headlines, as uh, I know very well. But clashes between the judiciary and the political branches are also very weighty. And while the framers uh, had concerns about the unelected judiciary encroaching on the, uh, the prerogatives of the political branches, Hamilton promised in the Federalist 78 that the least democratic branch would also be the least dangerous branch because courts have, quote, no influence over either the sword or the purse, neither force nor will, but merely judgment. Today, that assurance doesn't instill much confidence. 
We have seen over time an expansion of judicial willingness to review executive action. And then combine that with the strategies of sophisticated public interest lawyers and the growing use of nationwide injunctions. And the legal community and the broader public should be more concerned, particularly about this trend of nationwide injunctions. Where one federal district judge can reverse the president's decision or reverse even Congress and impose his or her will throughout the country. That's new. The aggressive nature of doing this is new. There's seven or eight hundred of these judges. Cut two, go. Two district judges in California and New York nevertheless issued nationwide injunctions against the rescission that is effectively requiring the government to reinstate the non-enforcement policy in DACA, notwithstanding the president's contrary exercise of his discretion. Appeals have been ongoing for nearly two years and a half, but the injunctions remain in place. This saga highlights a number of troubling consequences of the rise of nationwide injunctions. First, these injunctions have frustrated presidential policy for most of the president's term with no clear end in sight. We're more than halfway through the president's term, and the administration has not been able to rescind the signature immigration initiative of the previous administration, even though it rests entirely on executive discretion. The Justice Department has tried for more than a year to get the Supreme Court to review the lower court decisions, uh, ordering us to keep DACA in place, but the court has not granted any of those requests, and they languish uh, on the conference docket. Unless the court acts quickly and decisively, we are unlikely to see a decision before mid-2020 at the earliest, that is, right before the next election. It's hard to imagine a clearer example of the stakes of nationwide injunctions. Cut three, please. Second, these injunctions have injected the courts into the political process. The first injunction from the Northern District of California came down on January 9th, 2018, in the middle of high-profile legislative discussions. Hours earlier that day, President Trump had allowed cameras into the cabinet room to broadcast his negotiations with bipartisan leaders from both houses of Congress over the DREAM Act, border security, and broader immigration reform. And most people at that point thought that all the pieces of a grand compromise were on the table, which would involve, on the one hand, uh, concessions on the DREAM Act, and on the other, uh, increased border security. But, of course, once a district court forced the executive branch to maintain DACA nationwide for the indefinite future, the president lost virtually all the leverage in negotiations with congressional leaders who wanted him to maintain DACA nationwide. All right, let's stop there. After the break, I'll explain it more, but DACA was not legislation. DACA's not in the Constitution. DACA was issued by the Secretary of DHS at the direction of the prior administration. So this administration should be able to reverse course. The Obama judges will not allow it. And they put in place a nationwide injunction. They did that in many of the president's actions with respect to immigration, with respect to the Environmental Protection Agency. 
These are the radical Obama judges coming out of law schools and other places who are abusing their power and undermining the rule of law. Liberties, General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Since getting my X chair, I do love spending a lot of time in my office. I never realized how uncomfortable my office chair was until I sat in an X chair. Now I have two of them. Now I have the comfort and support my body needs, and because of that, I'm more productive than I ever imagined possible. By the way, you sit in a chair a long time, you can do damage to these discs in your lower back. I know I did to mine, lower left back. They call it the L5. I never had a back problem. Now I have a slight back problem. But these X chairs make a world of difference. And the X chair's secret is the dynamic variable lumbar support, or DVL. And this patented feature is what sets the X chair apart from every other office chair in the world. I was in a, well, I won't tell you which one, one of these... uh, supply stores, office stores, to get paper and to get some more ink for my printer. And I went by and looked at the chairs. I mean, they real, there's just no match. There really is. These X chairs are just so comfortable. Ideal posture and support equals comfort. And when you're comfortable, the hours spent in the office honestly fly by. Now, switching to an X chair is the smartest business investments I've ever made. You need to feel the DVL difference for yourself. Now, when I was in the mothership, WABC, Mr. Producer, I sat in your X chair, didn't I? Very, very comfortable. I took it from him. X chair's on sale right now for $100 off. Just go to xchairlevin.com. That's xchairlevin.com. Or give them a call, 1-844-X-CHAIR. 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. Now, extra comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. And you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. So go to xchair.com right now. Use code XWheels, and you'll receive a free set of the new XWheels with your chair, too. That's xchairlevin.com or 1-844-4-XCHAIR. Perfect time to do it right now. Brent, Los Angeles, California, 870, the answer, the great KRLA, where we are live and national. Go. Hello, Mark. Well, Americans should be calling you the great one. I think American Jews should be calling you Gadol Hador, the great one of the generation. Oh, boy. Thank you. And I'm, I'm calling in. Whatever happened to Denali? <laughs> Denali is good for Alaskans. I'm just kidding you. Anyway, yes. <laughs> But I'm calling in because what you were talking about with Wells Fargo, I'm terrified by what I think is Wells Fargo's act of treason by happily donating Trump's bank records to the congressional corporate collectivist coup. And the many implications of this, uh, it just I'm beginning to worry how corrupt can our banking system be? Could be as corrupt as the corporate Silicon Dark dark Empire. And your point is they're now going to turn our data over to politicians? Now, now, stay with me, Brent. I want you to think about this, America. You get a subpoena from Congress, Wells Fargo does, and they've turned over 
thousands of pages of the president's personal private banking information to Democrats on the House Finance Committee chaired by Maxine Waters. Now, I want you to think about that. It's not the IRS. It's not any of these investigative agencies. You're turning it over to Congress. You're turning them over to politicians. And the bank didn't even wait for an appeal. The bank didn't even resist. You're damn right I'm taking my money out of Wells Fargo. What the hell do I put? I I might as well put it in my mattress. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah, I'm seeing this as, you know, is in parallel with Google and Facebook and Twitter. And- I, I, I wouldn't overdo it. I mean, they, they each have their issues, and you're talking about a corporate conspiracy. That's not what happened here. These corporate executives sat in a boardroom. They weren't thinking about Google and Facebook. They didn't pick up the phone and call, you know, Zuckerman or Zuckerberg or whatever his name is. This is on Wells Fargo. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's the same mindset of the leftists if they're in Silicon Valley. Okay, well, what does this get us? I'm telling you to be an activist right now. If you have money in Wells Fargo, take it the hell out. And, and I'm also fearful that other banks might follow suit, like Bank of America. They might. Bank. And so, guess what? Then we drop them, too. Yeah. There's a lot of banks out there. Major, and major I think if enough of us do this, these banks are going to get the message. Look. The president is an appendage of the House. The banking system's not an appendage of the House. Our taxes are not an appendage of the House. We have a rogue part of the government now. It's not the president. It's the House of Representatives and federal district judges. Let's be clear. There is tyranny afoot. There's tyranny afoot in the House of Representatives and in a number of these court chambers. Thank you for your call, sir. And where's the media? They love it. I read you a story about this decision. They don't even mention that these are Obama judges. Why not? Because they're acting like Obama judges. Right, Mr. Chief Justice? Wake the hell up! I'm the Chief Justice. Wake up! Not you, him. You're wide awake. I am too. Let's go to Esther in Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. How are you, Esther? Um, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm calling about the um, about the typhus outbreak in Los Angeles, the measles outbreak in in Brooklyn and in uh, Rockland County, and uh, I forgot to mention the Mr. Call Screener. Tuberculosis is up in New York State. Mm-hmm. Um, typhus outbreak is from illegal aliens in Los Angeles. Tuberculosis has been up for several years now. Um, under George Pataki, they actually used to post the TB rates per county in New York, and they stopped doing that. Of course. And uh, the measles, the measles, the story with the measles is was buried in a back page story a few years ago in an English language Israeli newspaper that I like to read. And the story of measles outbreak started in Israel, and, ha- and but everybody, nobody is um, pointing the fam- uh, pointing the fingers where they belong. Um, jihadists in West Bank and Gaza believe that the MMR shot causes sterility, so they're refusing to allow the madrasas are going out and the imams are are, are forbidding the followers from get, getting getting their kids the MMR shot. Well, that means these kids are carriers, and these they grow up, and they are circulating among the Jewish population in Israel. 
and people don't realize that they come here, and that's how it's been spreading. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been, thankfully, a very big push for free measles vaccines. They are giving them out. Um, there's one particular community in Orange County, which has, like, I think a 99.7% vaccination rate. And All right, tell us about typhus. This in Los Angeles is um, being spread. It's, um, first of all, they're having a massive problem with public uh, urination and defecation. It is spread by... Um, I mean, when's the hell, when the hell was last time we had a typhus problem in this country? Well, my father used to talk about it. He used to tell me stories when he was in Watch Ghetto and in Buchenwald concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, my friend. I appreciate it, Esther. Thank you for your call. Let's see who else is out there, shall we? I think we can shout. A lot of regular Americans calling. That's a good thing. Pete, San Diego, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go! Pete, go! Mark! Uh, Whoa. Yes, Pete, speak, please. We're running out of time. (laughs) I have to tell you, you gave me a personal thank you on... uh, my notes to you on Ed Meese, and I appreciate that so much. Thank you, um, sir. I wanted to say that this whole thing is a travesty, a mockery of a sham. Which, which whole I, thing? Yeah. Which one are we talking about? <laughs> um, I I have to say that the Wells Fargo thing is uh, I managed financial portfolios for my clients, and I got them out of that a couple of years ago. Um, they are a crap company, and I'm surprised that President Trump had anything in that company. All right, I, I don't know all that, and I'm not going to go there because people have their own experiences with various companies, and I don't want to besmirch companies because of one experience or something like that. This is different, okay? This isn't about somebody's personal experience at crap co- This is about a company that has decided that they are going to abandon the privacy of one of their customers, a big deal, a president, and give his private bank information to the Democrats, to the politicians in Congress, headed by Maxine Waters, this committee, and that Wells Fargo knows what they're going to do with this information. Therefore, I will no longer be a customer of Wells Fargo, period. Thank you for your call, Pete. Dove, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hi, it's Phil from Long Island, Mark. Uh, just I hope to see you Sunday, by the way. Thank got you. Your book, got your book already, and I'll probably buy another one when I get it signed. Thank but, you, sir. Um, the, the deal with Wells Fargo. Spread the word, baby. Give one book to somebody else. I'll, I'll give it to 10 people or 40 people, 100 people. The deal with Wells Fargo is that I believe they're being blackmailed by the Waters Committee because of the credit card fraud that the bank had committed or people at the bank committed a couple of years ago, and they were called on the carpet uh, to the one of the, the Senate committees or the, or the House committees. And I think they're being blackmailed, and I think they're under the gun, and they feel they have to release his information. That's what, that's what I think is going on. So, well, I don't know that for a fact. Neither of us do. But I do know for a fact that they're coughing up thousands of pages of documents. And, and uh, it doesn't matter to me what the reason is. I know, but as a former banker, I can tell you, privacy of the customer's information is is paramount, and this is this is an extreme injustice to this president, to anybody. Um, 
and I can talk for hours about this. I know you don't have that mm-hmm. kind of time. But, uh, again, I hope to see but you. But I'm right to be disgusted by this, right? I'm disgusted. We're all disgusted mm-hmm. by this. This is terrible. I mean, it, it, all the members of Congress, they're turning it over to the Democrats, opposition research. Banks are going to do, you know, all the walls are breaking down because they're after Trump. And, and notice how the media doesn't really dig into the banking rules, and they're supposed to keep their customers' information confident. You don't hear a damn thing about it, do you? No, you don't. It's, it's sad. It's very, very sad. All By right. the way, one, yes. more, one more point, if I can make one more yep. point. I'll probably say it to you on Sunday, but... You know, there was a speech given by JFK right after he was elected. It was called the Secret Society speech. It's called, he entitled it, The President versus the Press. It's on YouTube. I encourage you, if you haven't already seen it. Well, that's fine, but the press loved him. No, they loved him, but he went after them in in a very romantic way, so to speak. Well, FDR went after them, but they still loved him. Obama went after them, but they still loved him. No, but it's an interesting thing to... But you understand my point? Absolutely. They're not going to take down a president, even if they go after them, who they agree with. I know. All right. Look forward to seeing you. Thank you, my friend. We'll get to some of your other callers when we come back. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hey, Mac, baby. 2020 will be the most important election in our lifetimes. Big issues are on the ballot, the border, Second Amendment, long-term abortion, freedom of speech and conscience, the Constitution itself. And the most expensive of them all will be health care. The left are pushing a plan called Medicaid for All. They want to take a program seniors paid into all their lives and open it to all comers, even the children of illegal aliens. It should be called Medicare for None. Because seniors will be forced to get in line with people who've paid nothing into some government-run centralized program. It's wrong. It's unfair. It'll destroy the world's greatest engine of healthcare innovation. Where's the AARP on this? Well, why aren't they lobbying hard to stop this raiding of your Medicare? We know why. It's the same AARP that backed Obamacare. That's why I'm urging all of you to join AMAC right now. Because unlike the AARP, AMAC will fight hard against Medicare for All. That's why I'm a member. Become a member of AMAC.us. That's A-M-A-C.us. The stakes have never been higher. Visit AMAC.us and join today. I'm quite serious. If you're 60 or older, take a look at this. AMAC.us and join today. I would say everybody should take a look at this. If you remember the AARP, why? They're not looking out for your best interest. And by the way, AMAC has great discounts, great bargains, great benefits, a great magazine. It really is a stellar organization. And it shares our belief system, our values, our principles. So join them now. AMAC.us. You can check out their site, AMAC. I am a member, and I'm a proud member. All right. Let's see here. Let's go to Ron, Chicago, Illinois, the great WLS country. How are you, sir? Dr. Levin, oh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I pre-ordered your book. I I can't thank you enough for 
turning me around into not not from being a liberal, but just from making me aware of the political climate. Thank you for everything. Um, I have lost my son to the opioid epidemic. Oh, um, I'm sorry. And I just want you to know that right. you've really opened my eyes, and I can't thank you enough. Thank you. I am so sorry, Ron. I'm so, so sorry. But I am in your brigade. I will do anything to save my country. Anything. You are a remarkable human being. Thank you. You are a remarkable human being. And God bless you. And my best to your family. Oh, good Lord. Can't think of anything worse, quite frankly. Let's go to Suzanne, Chicago, Illinois, also WLS country. How are you? Hi. I have a question about your book on freedom of the press and um, unfreedom of the press. Yes. Yes, and uh, P- Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Are you aware, aware of any correlation there? No. Okay, because I heard um, you mentioned the Target store a couple of times. As uh, man, what are you? What are you? What are you trying to get at? Let's get to it before we run out of time. I could be wrong. If you can fact check, I thought that uh, Target and Starbucks both. Um, finances Planned Parenthood. I have no idea. But that has nothing to do with me encouraging you to embrace liberty and freedom of the press. I can't control these outlets. I don't know who Amazon funds. I don't know who Barnes & Noble funds. I don't know what Target funds. I don't know. I just can't do everything out of my basement. You understand? I understand, great one. All right. I do believe Planned Parenthood should be defunded. I don't understand. They act like it's a part of the government. Planned Parenthood should be defunded. All the leftists that want to fund it, go at it. Problem is the leftists don't contribute even to their own charities, so they demand that we pay for everything. All right, Suzanne, I very much appreciate your call. Take care. You can go anywhere and get the book. Whatever you're comfortable with. Whatever you're comfortable with. And uh, maybe your local bookstore. They're always good. I love local bookstores. John, quickly, San Francisco, California, the great KSFO. Go. Hello, Mark. I have a question about executive action. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if the Republicans can immediately challenge an executive action to a friendly circuit court before the Democrats have a chance. Well, you can't go into a circuit court. You've got to go into a district court. And to answer your question, they need to get a lot better at it, don't they? Yeah, is it possible? Problem is, when Trump's president, you're not really suing Trump because we like his policies. You know, when Obama's president or somebody like him, that's a different issue. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, Levinites. Go to Amazon.com, order your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Go to Costco. They're all out there. We'll be back tomorrow night. See ya.